Hi, everyone. It's Mandy. Before we go into it, patrons, you are everything. Thank you so much for being supporters of the show, supporters of the Restorative Grief platform everywhere it's found. Because I've been doing this for a while now, but I tell you, running with others makes it so much more enjoyable. So if you're interested in all the premium content, exclusive interviews coming up, or even just supporting the methods and the work because you know it makes an impact in your life and in others, then we would love to have you join us. Check out the show notes for links and that's that's it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 74 titled, We Aren't Telling Sad Stories. Thank you for listening to episode 74 of Restorative Grief. Truth be told, I usually come out of conversations about grief and loss with the energy of a thousand suns. I'm not holding space with others because I want to be their grief guru. I'm holding space to bear witness for the moment they have their breakthrough. The aha of healing that allows my sweet grieving friends to see where a small adjustment in their values or move of their attention could alleviate the repetition of pain. It's invigorating and makes me so excited in a way I can't quite explain. And I know that sounds wild, but yes, it's true. (laughs) So while empathetic boundaries, positive psychology, and healthy emotional expression are crucial aspects, I'm also just kind of made for this. And honestly, I find that with the right support and education, most of us are. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, Thank you for making space in your life to grow your capacity. Grief is not an easy topic, obviously, but your choice to join in the conversation is making a healthier community in your life and mine. If you're interested in learning more about restorative grief, consider joining our Patreon community or the Restorative Grief Project. I love hearing new voices in this work and finding out what really impacts your grief experience too. You can check out the show notes for links to the Patreon, our group coaching, and more, as well as a few of the concepts we discussed today. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you hear all the new episodes the minute they're out, and obviously, leave behind a five-star review. And as always, one last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. The first part of the work we need to do around grief literacy is disarming toxic positivity. We've talked about it a lot on this show and in a previous episode, so if you want some more details about it, go back and listen to episode 44 titled Dismantling Toxic Grief Support. Toxic positivity is a way of presenting hope that minimizes the reality of the moment. It wants comfort, avoiding the uncomfortable by pretending it's not that bad, it's not that lasting or it's not that worthy of our attention. It's a manipulation of positive psychology, which is a concept easily written off because we are very afraid of being toxic, and understandably so. But one of the ways we can support ourselves and our grieving communities is through a healthy understanding of positive psychology, which invites us to consider our human suffering in the context of our positive aspects of life as well. Modern psychology is often too pathological, making disorders and diseases of the entirety of our human experience. Positive psychology is a framework creating space for us to consider why life is worth living in spite of suffering. 
It's founded on ideals of created wholeness, integrating our stories of suffering into the purpose and hope for a future that is better than our present. And in this hopeful future, we define what is better. We investigate and define our understanding of laughter, joy, happiness, motivation, wholeness, and we determine how to move forward with wholeness at the forefront of our psychology instead of always leading with our challenges. So this is the first place I go when I think about grief work and how I maintain engagement and high energy with my ever-growing workload. I'm not centered on suffering, nor am I denying its validity and importance. In fact, it's this place of both and that I find an opportunity to share the stories of loss without shutting down my audience, whomever they may be. See, we've all been energetically drained by people who exist primarily in the melancholy, When we hear the same iteration of their experience over and over without a marked understanding or indication of insight, and we check out. It's a hard place to be because we don't want to be that person who walks away, but we may also struggle to understand how to remain present and supportive of one who simply seems to want to vent and express anger. So let's check in for a minute. Here we can equip ourselves to witness better for people in this intensity of pain. But as people who also experience this stuckness in our pain, we can teach ourselves how to identify it and move differently through it. We don't have to exhaust ourselves with the retelling of our painful stories either. So I want to ask you a question maybe you haven't thought about. What does it mean to vent? It was only a few years ago when the millennial generation rediscovered pressure cooking through the introduction of the electric instant pot. I laughed when I first saw it because I realized we didn't all grow up in a household where our grandparents had that very difficult to open, but be careful, you're going to get a steam burn kind of stovetop pressure cooker. And when it's cooking and at its peak, how can you open it? By venting it by using a small valve to release a small amount of the pressure so you can open it fully without the risk of pain. We go in carefully and with intention when we are using a pressure cooker and learning how to vent with intention of our emotions is just the same. See, it's a release with purpose. It's not just the unleashing of all that hurts and deserves expression. It's for the purpose of opening further of digging into the true needs of our fullest selves, often tucked away and hidden by self-protection and emotional outbursts. I get that this level of vulnerability is scary, but that's the reason it matters. We are trusting others with our painful stories, not to simply dump on them or manipulate them into feeling sorry or badly for us, or to make someone else think they have it just fine in comparison. The purpose of emotional expression is to create connection, connection to ourselves through a deeper understanding of what we are experiencing and what we might need to learn or do for healing, connection to others through allowing ourselves to be honest and seen for where we are in life, connection to the world around us because these shared experiences are not isolated or truly unique. Yes, our grief is going to be unique, but we have to remember others have tread this land before us. We don't walk in the dark. And so when someone comes to me and, quote, just wants to vent, I allow it unequivocally, but I do it with a gentle reminder that venting is just releasing pressure for a purpose. 
And that purpose is not to immediately let the pressure build up to the point of bursting again. When we start listening to the stories of others with this in mind, that they are under a lot of pressure and ready to burst, we no longer hear sadness as the only note in their sorrowful songs. We begin to see the whole person with needs and emotions beyond sadness or anger. As a listener, we can start to recognize nuance. It's easy to push this away because we are usually guarding against our own painful stories coming to the surface, and I get it. Going beyond venting into introspection is challenging. And where can you even begin? Well, just like someone venting or shouting about what has them spun up to 100, you too can start with what is causing the most pain. The biggest pain point is that thing you cannot get out of your head, your heart, your body, or your spirit. And I'm not talking about the big picture pain. I mean the focused parts that when you're honest with yourself are far more surprising and unexpected sources of grief. Learning to become a healthier grief witness for someone else is not only a gift for them, because it teaches us how we might also need a similar experience of support and introspection in our lives. What do you gain when you hold space for another person? Sometimes a sense of gratification. Maybe you're fulfilling a need to support others and be seen as supportive. I mean, let's get real, okay? Do you feel as though you need others to see you as trustworthy? I'm sure you like that feeling. Do you like knowing that they think you're safe? Your sense of self is absolutely bolstered by knowing others will come to you and share what's hurting or scary in their lives, and there's nothing wrong with wanting that. Where it gets gross is when you are not doing the same vulnerable work for yourself. Are you showing up in your own story how you want others to show up for themselves? If not, start taking some notes. Pay attention not just to the story someone tells you, but to how they are caring for themselves before, during, and after. When it comes to compassion, we are experts at sharing it with others, and we are weirdly averse to showing it to ourselves. Which leads me right into the last point I want to make before we go. Self-compassion is the sister of empathy, right? In this space of active listening and supporting others, we practice empathy through our actions, our words, and our availability. But much of what we perceive as empathy is often boundarylessness. See, empathy is a tool that is powerful but easily abused. When we are listening to others, we may go beyond our own limits in an effort to not make their pain worse by denying service or care. Maybe we center our own experience and become overwhelmed by tears and emotion after hearing their stories, thinking about how we might respond and are unable to continue in our own lives or our own grief work. And I think this is what people are really asking me when they wonder how I can do this work every day. It's not as though I don't take days off or say no to clients that are not a good fit. It's that empathy as a practice is misunderstood as selflessness to the point of abuse. It is entirely possible to demonstrate empathy with boundaries as I listen to grievers. This doesn't mean I'm detached or disconnected from the weight or reality of your story. So if you're nodding your head and realizing that maybe you've created avoidance practices where you can't reinforce or establish healthy boundaries around empathy, I'll give you a few notes. This is a chance for you to reaffirm your commitment to yourself and your own grief journey, but also to remind you that your use of boundaries is not a bad thing. 
being selfish here is good. It's not self-centered. It's only selfish, right? A little self-compassion is necessary for wholeness. Boundaries for the empathetic include learning to say no when you're asked to do something outside of your realm of experience, skill, or even desire. See, if you as a grief supporter are being asked to do something you're not okay with, saying no is not denying the person's need for support. It's denying your ability to provide the support they're asking for, which is a kindness. I would want someone to be very honest with me if I asked them to build my house and they had never lifted a hammer. This is your chance to explore the role you are playing in a person's life. Are you contributing the same level of energy that they're returning to you? I understand that depending on the season or grief experience, it's not always an equitable exchange, and that's expected. But on the whole, are you receiving bi-directional support? Do you recognize that you are valued, cared for, and communicated with at the same level you are offering to the other person? This is tough, and if it's activating something in you right now, feel free to pause or just tread lightly. A healthy environment between peers or friends, even when grief is involved, is going to be the type of relationship where as you share, you are heard. As you listen, you see the whole person and not the broken pieces. You see them as needing you as a friend, not as a savior, guru, or counselor. Your role in that person's life is not likely to be a professional one, and that is where your boundaries come in. So I've definitely broken friendships by cutting people off mid-story. Before I started this work years ago, I had a friend who consistently complained about everything in their life. I'm sure I had multiple, but this is the story that comes to mind. No matter the context, there was always something to bemoan. And I wasn't invited to fix it, but I also wasn't invited to be heard in the same way. If I shared my struggles, it was nothing in comparison to theirs. After a certain point, my self-compassion shut down because all I witnessed was the cyclical narrative of pain and the lack of introspection to resolve or investigate their role in their own life. And that has to be a possibility. We've all spent too long in one-sided relationships where we've not had our voice or our experiences valued, where we felt like a side project instead of a companion. But we don't want to be people seen as telling sad stories and set aside either, because I've also been cut off from relationship and told that I'm too much. See, when we establish healthy boundaries for ourselves as empathetic listeners, We start to create boundaries around our own healing and relationships too. In this place, I can push back when someone says I'm full of sad stories because I'm not. I'm full of nuance and my stories have a lot of sadness that deserve expression as well as introspection. Such as what is this sadness trying to tell me? What can my story tell you? What can we learn together and how will these questions make us into more helpful and grief literate witnesses? Maybe my sadness has something else it's trying to express, and until I listen to it, I'm never going to know. Whatever the answer is, remember this simple thing when you bear witness to another. Your role is never to fix or repair what hurts. Your role is to listen really well through the worst moments of their lives and to celebrate as they begin seeing the beauty and wholeness of their stories on the other side of sadness. Thank you for listening to episode 74 of Restorative Grief. 
Truth be told, I usually come out of conversations about grief and loss with the energy of a thousand suns. I'm not holding space with others because I want to be their grief guru. I'm holding space to bear witness for the moment they have their breakthrough. The aha of healing that allows my sweet grieving friends to see where a small adjustment in their values or move of their attention could alleviate the repetition of pain. It's invigorating and makes me so excited in a way I can't quite explain. And I know that sounds wild, but yes, it's true. (laughs) So while empathetic boundaries, positive psychology, and healthy emotional expression are crucial aspects, I'm also just kind of made for this. And honestly, I find that with the right support and education, most of us are. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, Thank you for making space in your life to grow your capacity. Grief is not an easy topic, obviously, but your choice to join in the conversation is making a healthier community in your life and mine. If you're interested in learning more about restorative grief, consider joining our Patreon community or the Restorative Grief Project. I love hearing new voices in this work and finding out what really impacts your grief experience too. You can check out the show notes for links to the Patreon, our group coaching, and more, as well as a few of the concepts we discussed today. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you hear all the new episodes the minute they're out, and obviously, leave behind a five-star review. And as always, one last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.